thrown into the mix. This music will warm your heart and soothe your soul. Please join me for Living Jazz. Support for Radio Catskill comes from Majestic Farm, specializing in organic apples and pasture-raised heritage meats. Open all year for contact-free meat pickup, MajesticFarm.com. From Rourke Law, Liberty, New York. A general law practice serving the Catskills and Delaware River Valley with an emphasis on estate planning, estate administration, elder law, and real property matters. RourkeLaw.com Welcome to the local edition, news and information keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dolp. Coming up tonight, it's our Wednesday night when we check in with James B. Huntington for the latest on jobs and the economy around our listening area around the country. We call it Work Shift Live, coming up in the second half of the program. But first, it's time to check in with River Reporter for the latest on what's happening in our area. It's a weekly news roundup with the River Reporter with award-winning reporter Liam Mayo joining us on the phone once again. Welcome back to the program, Liam. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me back. I wouldn't wouldn't have it any other way on a Wednesday evening. <laughs> break wouldn't break tradition, especially not now that the snow is flying and sticking. Um, this was the first. Sti- I know this isn't something we plan to talk about, but this was the first sticking snow of the season. It always takes people a little time to adjust. Was there any news at all in the region about how people dealt with this first little bit of snow and ice? I haven't heard any news particularly, and when it comes to weather, no news is often very good news because it means yes. there weren't major catastrophes or power outages or the like. Not that there weren't any, I just didn't hear about any of them, so fingers crossed that everyone stays safe and that the snow doesn't lead to any incidents. Yeah, and it seems like this wasn't as bad as we thought. It always takes people a while to adjust to the first one. You know, I, first time on some snow-covered roads yesterday evening, I was I was nervous at first, and it was like riding a bike, except it's a car. Um, you know, and there was only there was a few schools that had two-hour delays this morning. You know, Wayne Highlands in Pennsylvania, and a few schools in Sullivan, Ulster area. Anyway. You are uh, following still on what's happening in the town of Highland, and uh, now they're potentially going to partner with Sullivan County Sheriff's Office to provide coverage in place of the Highland Constable's Office. What can you tell us about this latest development? Yeah, so um, for those who maybe haven't been following this story, uh, the town of Highland suspended its constable apartment back in April, um, citing potential allegations of misconduct and um, they've been tr- trying to decide since then what to do about uh, having law enforcement coverage in Highland. And the latest budget that has been unveiled as of the November town board meeting is has a lo- ten thousand. Sorry, it has a hundred thousand dollar line item for the Sullivan County Sheriff's Office um, to provide some sort of coverage in the town of Highland. So uh, this would be. It, it, the $100,000 number is a ballpark. It's not an exact number, um, but it's 
a sign of the negotiations that are currently going on between the town of Highland and the sheriff's department about how they can get some coverage in that town and what that is going to look like. Okay. Um, and do you think this addresses the issue that they're facing or is potentially something that helps address the issue? It potentially does. Um, something that uh, one of the council members involved have said is that a lot of state contemporaries are phasing out their smaller police forces because of how much training requirements there are. So it is potentially easier to partner with the sheriff's department for this um, rather than to um, rather than to have your own fully trained, fully funded constables department. Um, but something we'll be following is whether this sets a precedent for other towns in the region and what exactly this agreement looks like. Because in theory, the sheriff's department is providing a base level of coverage throughout the county. Um, yeah, it makes so, me wonder about what the impacts will be. I mean, if, if that does extend to other communities, not just the impacts on those communities, but the impacts on all the communities, because like you said, the sheriff's department is already out there looking at uh, that. So it makes me wonder how it would impact the service that they're giving. Exactly. And it's still a little too early to tell like how what the final form of this is going to look like. Um, we've heard uh, vague like anecdotal reports that other towns are interested or people in other towns are interested in what Highland is currently looking at. So there's the slight possibility that this could be a precedent setting thing for the region. So um, it's in one sense, replacing this very small Highland constable force, but because it is the sheriff's department for the entire County, um, it could potentially have consequences beyond the town of Highland. Right. Just over the river in Wayne County, uh, just like Sullivan County, we know Wayne County is working on uh, connectivity issues. Uh, they've got a $12 million proposal to expand the 5G cell service and wireless broadband throughout the county. Uh, we know that this is a vital necessity. So what's the latest with this proposal? Yeah, uh, the latest was sort of the announcement of the proposal. Uh, the Wayne County commissioners hired uh, consultant Lewis Strategic to come up with a proposal to address broadband issues and cell coverage issues in the region. And this $12 million proposal would expand the county's existing eight 5G cell towers to 22. Uh, that would also support wireless broadband and county 911 um, equipment. So this proposal would increase the amount of cell coverage you have in Wayne County um, with a specific eye toward getting rid of dead zones and having more coverage available for emergencies. And then it would also do something very similar to what Sullivan County is looking at in terms of wireless broadband um, in that there would be broadband signals broadcast from these towers and then homes could um, have access to the internet through that rather than through cables run to the home. All right. Um, and it just it seems like we've been covering these stories for a long time in both Sullivan County and Wayne County. And I mean, like the good news is there's something to cover because every time there's a there's another development. But uh, it's starting to get hard for me to keep track of, of where exactly 
we are. But maybe when things land, we can just do like an, an overview and say, hey, this is where things are right now. It, hoping that they land with uh, people having more connectivity on the ground. Yeah. And, and as, as you've mentioned, we've been talking about these for a long while. And the Sullivan Project is sort of moving very slowly along. Uh, the latest news from this Wayne County project is that they've identified 8.6 million in industry investments already and are seeking additional 3.4 million in local, state, and federal funding. Uh, the announcement says possibly by the end of the year, um, but that is local, state, and federal funding we're talking about, and grant processes can move very slowly. So it's is still a, this is potentially coming off in the future thing, not a, you will wake up tomorrow morning and be able to make a call where you were previously unable to make a call thing. Yeah. Uh, and then yesterday, uh, in the flurry of activity, ho-ho, leading up to the snow, um, Sullivan County actually made a little bit of news because they announced not just that their warming center in Liberty would be open uh, last night, but that it's going to be open every night now, which is a new development. They weren't doing that last year. There's only on the coldest nights they were able to open it. Yeah, uh, that's a really cool development. Um, as part of announcing that, uh, Health and Human Services Commissioner John Little said that they have the funding to do this now. Um, they're opening their warming shelter uh, at the Liberty United Methodist Church every night of the winter season from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. And they're looking at doing the same at the Ted Strubble Recreation Center in Monticello, although they're still working on that one. Um, and uh, Little said that in addition to the benefit to the public, it also helps out the people who are running the shelters because it's easier to uh, just arrange to have staff there doing this every day rather than to try and scramble people on the days that they do end up opening it up. so Yeah, based on the weather. I mean, it was literally, you, you can't plan on the weather, and that's what it was. When it reached a certain temperature, okay, we're going to be open at night. So being able to plan that out ahead of time must greatly increase efficiency. Exactly. And it gives people a little more certainty that if they're cold, they don't have to check, is this at a certain level to trigger this warming center opening up? They just know they can go to one of those locations, or specifically the Liberty location as of now, and that will just be there for them. Yeah, so and, and part of the press release, uh, John Little was saying, it sounded like that they, they hope to do a similar thing with the Ted Strobel Rec Center warming shelter, which traditionally is where they have their warming shelter in Liberty. They have one in, or in Monticello, had one in Liberty, one in Monticello. Um, I wasn't too clear about what they were saying. Is there a possibility that it won't be in the rec center or are they just trying to nail down? It's going to be there, but they're just trying to nail down the logistics, you think? As far as I read it, I thought they were um, working at full, on getting it to that center. They were just trying right. to nail down the logistics. Um Although I think we're probably looking at the same press release. So. We are. I was just, I, I, I was like, oh, are they saying this? Are they saying that? So um, that's what it sounded like to me, too, that, that they're trying to get it open. And if they're able to do that, that's great. Because uh, also, not that this is the important thing, but it makes it easier for us to communicate that to people. Hey, this is where the warming centers are, and this is where they're going to be through the winter. Uh, but is there are there any other options for people who might need a warming center uh, in the listening area besides uh, 
those two, one only one of which is open yet? Um, I don't know of any in particular. Um, as of now, I know that there are very various public buildings and libraries that you can access to get warm during the daylight hours. The nice things about these warming shelters are that they're overnight. Um, but yeah. Right. And Liam, I think I'll just add for uh, the listener, uh, just this reminder for all of us, really, that um, you might be someplace warm right now, but we never know what's going to happen. I mean, there's been multiple times when it's still the winter, either on the early end, the dead of winter or the late end, uh, where storms come through, knock out power, people, people are in trouble. That takes out their heating or other concerns and they need a safe place. So it's good for everybody to keep this in mind because at some point you or one of your neighbors might need it. Absolutely. That's a, that's a good reminder. So, uh, Liam, we're going to get going here in just a minute, but a new edition of The River Reporter comes out tomorrow. Anything we should keep an eye out for? Yeah, keep an eye out for the latest uh, 2022 edition of the Holiday Gift Guide. So if you're looking about for anything homemade, handmade, or just things to do in the region around the holidays, uh, that's where you'll find it. Okay, on newsstands and digital distribution tomorrow, it's The River Reporter. And we've been talking to the River Reporter's reporter, Liam Mayo, joins us here every Wednesday. And you'll get to hear Liam again on the weekend with the NYNPA headline news. Liam, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jason. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for Work Shift Live. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Are you a music collector who needs to downsize? Consider donating records to Radio Catskill. Every year, music lovers like yourself donate. It benefits your favorite radio station and the next generation of collectors. Donate high-quality vinyl in good condition for our annual music sale. Email manager at wjffradio.org. There's always a story behind the music. How the song was written, why the song was written. I'm Kathy Geary. Join me for Now and Then. Now and Then, Saturday afternoons at 3 on Radio Catskill. Listen local. Don't forget, coming up in just a moment at 7 o'clock, it's uh, Trailer Talk this week. Two episodes of Trailer Talk from Sabrina Artel. Uh, tonight featuring Terry Dame, the handy hag, and her homestead. That's coming up first at 7. And at 7.30, it's a program on wintertime with Sabrina thinking about the qualities of the season that are just emerging. Winter myths, extinction, aging, transformation, Trailer Talk coming up at the end of this program. And this program, by the way, is a local edition. And right now, it's time for us to do what we do on Wednesday evenings. We check in for the latest on jobs and the economy. We talk to James B. Huntington 
for something we call Work Shift Live. Hello, James. Good evening, Jason. Good evening, listeners. Working Well, um, let's start local tonight. James, uh, unemployment information for right here in our listening area. You have an update on that? Yes, the September data is in, and it looks very good indeed. We have Sullivan County with a 2.9% unemployment rate. Orange also 2.9. Ulster with 2.8. Wayne County 3.7%. And Pike, 4.8. The two Pennsylvania counties are down more than 1% apiece, and the others are down 4 tenths, 7 tenths, and 4 tenths, respectively. The national rate was 3.3%. This is all unadjusted. But overall, this is outstanding. It's big, big improvement. It's beyond any kind of seasonal thing. And seeing this kind of improvement, especially between August and September is excellent. We might think about a lot of our jobs being outdoors, things connected with canoeing and camping and some such, but these numbers would not be anywhere near this good for September if that was really all the case. So great job to everyone who has a hand in keeping the jobs going in our area. Any uh, idea of how these numbers might look for the final quarter of the year? Well, I don't see why they wouldn't be very good this September. I mean, a lot of summer jobs and such go away, so September, October, and November are all really closely related as far as jobs go. December, it goes up because people are working and things connected with Christmas. There are even more jobs. January, it falls off somewhat significantly nationwide, and I see no reason why it should do any worse here all right so that's unemployment at least uh for our listening area what about one of the other big topics we keep keep coming back to uh inflation which affects people here and everywhere what's the latest inflation rate well we got a fine rate last week of 7.7 percent annually that's an improvement it's down from 8.2 of the previous month. This is the average annual rate. And in fact, actually, the the changes from September to October, the one-month changes, are less than that. On average, they were four-tenths of a percent, meaning it's something like five, between five and six percent inflation on an annual basis this past year. And and that even includes things like fuel oil going up 20%, gasoline up 4% in the month with oil prices going up mainly, and a lot of other things up almost 1% and such. Some things were down. We have airline fares down over 1%. Used cars and trucks are coming down, getting closer to coming down to earth. Prices now, they were down about 2.5% between September and October, and then we have piped utility gas service, oddly enough, that went down over 4% in the month. It's an odd combination when fuel oil went up more than anything else on their list here. So it is 
It is improving. The market loved that. The market went up 1,200 points the day. They're hoping that we're going to have fewer interest rate increases, which is something that if I run down the commodity prices and the Dow and all that, you'll see that it's a pattern that affects almost everything. So good news. It's still not as low as it could be, but any idea, anybody's idea that we're going to have 15 or 20 percent inflation really seems very doubtful when this number comes in. Okay. And um, so uh, to the workplace, uh, we've been talking about a lot about whether people are working at home or whether they're working in the workplace, uh, what different parties think of that. Uh, but if people are at work, what what if they just kept a vacation mindset? What what's what's that actually look like in reality? And, and does it actually have any positive benefits? Yes, this was an interesting thing off the Melody Wilding blog, of all places, a writer on business-related issues. And what she's recommending, what, they ha- what she has here, is something connected with having an attitude that can help you, that can cut down burnout, that can sort of calm you down and get you more in, able to get through work without being upset and all as much and being as frazzled as before. And the idea is she and a mindfulness expert and such she was consulting came up with this first, let your brain roam free, maybe not on conference calls unless you're not talking, but <laughs> yes, letting, but, but mind mapping, making thoughts and seeing what things are connected to it, also channeling your playful side. There is some opportunity to do this at work in some places. Interesting suggestion here is that, yeah, smile every time you walk through a doorway. It sounds silly, (laughs) but it's a powerful way to gamify your day, and it releases feel-good neurochemicals. Who knows? I mean, stranger suggestions than that have been right. Well, I, third, I, I think, oh, sorry, what's the third one? The third one we have here is choose your own adventures <laughs> and look at. Do, do people do anything else at work? That's, that's what my well, job is, choosing well, an adventure. I don't know. Some, <laughs> some of this stuff is kind of idealistic, and you wouldn't want to use it everywhere, but yeah. there, are, there are opportunities to tweak your work opportunities. Uh, opportunities at your usual cubicle job you do have some choice about what you're working on and you may be able to come up with some things to help your situation here well i'm not going to knock uh mindfulness because i think it's uh it's a uh, something that we too often overlook and can definitely have positive benefits but just devil's advocate for a moment i could imagine that you know uh, s- certain folks in labor advocacy uh, would say rather than a vacation mindset, what if people just had more time off? Well, that's certainly a possibility. It could happen. It's There are still a lot of labor shortages around. People are not accepting a lot of jobs they could. That's I have not seen references to that as something people are clamoring for, but it could very well be, and I think there is really a lot of opportunity, opportunity in a lot of jobs for employers to increase the amount of paid 
time off people have. So, yes, very much. And they also mention this piece flatly, employees shouldn't have to work while on vacation. That's been kind of a creeping thing and yeah. sort of a quasi-expectation that people answer emails at least some of the time when they're on vacation. And, I mean, I certainly don't advocate that. I think vacation really should be vacation. Yeah, and boundaries. Yeah. you got to have boundaries. Yeah. yeah. And you, need, and you really need to have personal boundaries, and that's where a lot of the trouble with burnout and such has been happening when people don't have very good boundaries. Well, now, so that's that. That's the workplace, and then after work is retirement. <laughs> if if you're lucky, um, I hear you're looking at the ten best American places to retire, and one of them has a local connection. Yes, you would be surprised. Well, we have a listing of ten states, and they're not they're not places like Hawaii. There are some that are several are in Florida, but the the one that really got the award, the best state in the country, which had the most of these 10 best places using various factors here, was Pennsylvania. We have number one on the list is Lancaster, Pennsylvania, the yeah. one best place. Then second is Harrisburg, and then ninth is Allentown, or fifth is, yeah, fifth is York, ninth is Allentown. And 10th is Reading. Some surprising places there. You would think that they were, a lot of those places were sort of burnt out Rust Belt towns, but often things can be very cheap in those, and there's often a great infrastructure and remarkably good community in places like that. So Pennsylvania came out smelling like a rose <laughs> in this thing here. So it, it, it seems like a connecting thing uh, there, roughly, it sounds to me like the, the size, you know, that these are kind of small to moderate-sized cities or, you know, lar larger towns. So, yes, uh, well, low-cost, they have low costs of living, they have affordable housing, they have the average house in Pennsylvania is 243000 and that includes Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. The fixed-rate mortgage is still relatively low. It's, it's worth thinking about. It's, you, don't, you don't need to go to Arizona or whatever. In fact, there's not a single place from Arizona in this list. So prices are getting a lot higher in those things, so maybe we're sort of going full circle where... A lot of the northern, midwestern, ordinary-sounding towns have, led by housing prices, are some of the best places to retire to. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering where the people that wrote this are based, if there's any kind of East Coast bias, because I know on the West Coast, there's a lot more people looking to go down to Arizona on the East Coast, but we, we can't ponder that right now, because in the final minutes of the program... Yeah, that sound means it's time for us once again to check in on our friends, the robots, and the influence of robots and AI in the workplace. It's Robot Watch on WorkShift Live. And James, I hear you're thinking about taking a ride in a robot car? I would love to. I have seen them. I went to Chandler, Arizona and saw them all over the place, saw what they're doing. So this is a report about someone who drove extensively actually this was in jacksonville florida where they had 
a long ride in a self-driving Tesla. A reporter was in there, and he said some things that were rather surprising, that the car tried and succeeded at about 40 unprotected left-hand turns against oncoming traffic. I had read elsewhere that that was a real sticking point in getting autonomous vehicles going, that they couldn't deal with left turns with traffic coming on. They didn't know exactly when to go such things, but apparently this generally worked well, but there were still some bugs. He said they came very close to hitting parked car. (laughs) There was a curb. They didn't recognize a curb as being a barrier, and in another case here, it's it's recognizing solid white lines as being barriers they can't go over, which is which drivers know is not true. And often, if you, you have a situation that justifies it, they can do it. So, it also stopped at one point. It's, it went into a motel parking lot when it was supposed to go to a restaurant next door, and it just stopped, and the human had to take over. Mm. So, it's making some progress we don't really know we it's been a very unfavorable couple of years for driverless cars there's even controversy about the spin-off into driver assisting right software right. which that's something on. that we've talked about here too so well, yeah, it sounds like there's a that's a mixed to good report uh, on yeah, the self-driving they, they, car. In there, context. This was a good report, and All right. these things may be closer. They do acknowledge that they're still years off well. before they will really be around. But given, I mean, given that Jacksonville, I did not think was really a special, especially yeah. easy place for these things. Okay, well, thanks so much for that update and all of this, and we'll talk to you again next week on WorkShift Live. Thank you, James B. Huntington. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, listeners. The Local Edition will be back tomorrow right here on Radio Catskill at 630. Thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, Jason Dole. It's WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello.